We are back for episode two, ladies and gentlemen, of Birds vs. Boys. You have me, KMS, and I'm alongside my co-host, the one and only Aiden Powers. And going into this second recording of the podcast, we thought we got not much to talk about with football right now. And then, bam, everything happened. So we are going to start right from the jump. Aiden, how you doing, my friend? I am good. We're getting closer to football season, and yet we're also getting further away from football season Aren't with opt-outs, right? coronavirus. In our first episode, we said we'd love to do this around the NFL segment, but also our around the NFL segment is just going to be talking about coronavirus for the next month. So is it, should we just call it like around coronavirus? Around the coronavirus pandemic. Until the season actually starts, if it does, hopefully, we should just, be, we should just call it around the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> After our last uh, podcast last week, I sent a tweet. I was like, dear baby Jesus, please let us have football because I I don't know how many plaid couple pictures that Apple picking every Saturday and Sunday I can take on my timeline. Yeah, the the girlfriends and relationships are going to run out of cliche fall Instagram captions by like October 12th if there's no football. (laughs) So if there's if there's anything else like we need football just because of that, that like that's our fallback. But you can't do it four straight weekends in October. Oh, just can't. God, please, no. Especially, I mean, well, we'll have the Masters and hopefully baseball. Probably not. <laughs> but we need, <laughs> even worse off. We need football. But I mean, like you said, coronavirus is is hitting hard and hitting often. And you guys got hit pretty hard just yesterday. Uh, Doug Peterson. Probably the biggest name, second coach in the NFL to get it, but Sean Payton had it so long ago. Um, so Doug Peterson, man, along with Lane Johnson. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That Doug Peterson, that one was really shocking. The Lane Johnson one wasn't that shocking because he hosted an offensive lineman camp, brought in everybody from all over the country. Mm-hmm. Smart. And we yeah, during a pandemic. So Smart. him showing up was not shocking. The Doug Peterson one shocked me. And when the news broke, I was driving home from the beach. And, you know, when you're in those long car rides, mm-hmm. it's one of the few times anymore where you're like alone with your thoughts. Like you're not really looking at your phone. You don't have anyone around. So I was just thinking of like all the negative reasons why Doug Peterson getting coronavirus is bad for the Eagles. I'd go miles and then be like, and another reason why that's bad just to myself. Give me all of them. <laughs> I, I can, uh, there is such a huge list. I'll try to keep it as concise as possible. But the most obvious one, and any team can relate to this, is now the Eagles are in a captainless ship. Yes. They don't have their head coach. How, going back to when everybody was in school, did you ever have a productive day with a substitute teacher? No. Like, did and, you ever like, walk into class and you're like, oh, a sub? I'm going to be extra motivated today. No, it, <laughs> you may be too young for this, but the best days were the subs when they wheeled in the TV with the, it was either the VHS or the DVD player. And it was it game over. Like, there was no work getting done. I was kicking up and I was watching a movie. It, that was that exactly. was it. I'm yeah. not getting work done. Exactly. The Eagles just wheeled in Deuce Staley on <laughs> yes, a VHS tape. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> They're going to watch Captain Phillips and Deuce Staley's going to stand up in front and go, I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. Look at me. But yeah, so I mean, that's where they're at. That's detrimental to any football team to start the season and just not have your coach. And I think I don't have them written in any order. So this probably is just a minor one in terms of all the reasons why it's bad. But if there's one knock on Doug Peterson, he is a player's coach, but not necessarily a coach's coach. You don't hear about the Doug Peterson coaching tree. Like guys aren't coming from Philadelphia and leaving because they're going on and being successful somewhere else as coaches. It's been, I believe this is year five with Peterson and they're in year five of having a wide receiver coach. Like he develops players, but he's not developing coaches. coaches. Yeah, exactly. So now, and now he's not there. So all these guys who uh, having Jim Sorch is huge because he's great for the defensive coordinator role. He's not great for as a head coach role. We've seen it before, yep. but at least he has some experience. But a lot of these guys uh, turnover on the coaching staff again last year. They got rid of the offensive coordinator, another wide receiver coach, which has been a problem for the Eagles for years. And here we are without a head coach and just all this inexperience. So do you think like the power structure, it's just a full breakdown? I think it is because Doug Peterson holds more power than most coaches do. Uh, now, there's some coaches who double as the GM, and that's the utmost power. But mm-hmm. in terms of the offense, I think it's just a bad year for for you to lose the guy who calls the plays, scripts the offense. He's the offensive coordinator and the coach. Part of the reason why they were having trouble finding an offensive coordinator 
is because Doug Peterson isn't just the offensive court or not just the coach, but also the offensive coordinator. coordinator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why do you want to go there when Doug's running the show? Exactly. Like, how can you advance if you can't prove that you can call plays? And now yeah. you're going to a system where you're not going to be calling the plays. And I get that. Like, I'm okay with Doug Peterson calling the plays because he's phenomenal at it. But if yeah. I'm an offensive coordinator, Philly's not going to be at the top of my list as a place to go. Absolutely. But not. now you're in a situation where your play caller, the guy who scripts your offense, and your head coach all aren't here. You just brought in a new offensive coaching staff for the most part, aside from Deuce Staley and your offensive line coach. So now these new guys are just in charge yep. in the, in for, for the whole class, just substitute teacher. So that, and, that worries me a lot too. And that was probably the biggest advantage going into a season like this that the Eagles had in the NFC East, because why they were the only team with a returning head coach going into this season and going into a season where no one knows what the hell is going to happen. Having that continuity and that structure is huge, right? Mike McCarthy coming in. He just met the team today for the first time you know ron rivera coming in the washington football team is a mess as it is and joe whoever the heck his name is doesn't matter in new york same thing so that continuity of doug peterson i mean i i don't want to say that that puts the eagles right into the same kind of stratosphere that the other teams acclimating to a new coach because he's he's going to be back quickly but it kind of drops that advantage down just a little bit it does. And that was a big thing over the offseason is that there was no offseason. So these yep. guys, and we talked about it, we were joking before that in the five months since Mike McCarthy has been named head coach, he and Dak Prescott haven't had a conversation with one another. Like how Carson Wentz happen? and Doug Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz don't really have to have conversations. I'm sure they do, but they can pick it up in August and be all right. Tell so that, that is an advantage that the Eagles had. But now without your coach going into training camp, it's tough. Um and this year, it's especially tough, not only because there's new coaches, but this was the year where the Eagles took it and they were like, all right, we're going to do a youth movement, turn this roster over to get it younger so that we can compete into the future and this Super Bowl window doesn't close. close. Now yep. you've got all these new faces and that kind of plays into having like the, the inexperience of these these coaches in the NFC East. Well, now this, the Eagles have all these players that are inexperienced and the whole point of them like having that offseason experience with Doug Peterson, it's gone now. The, the one strength that they had. So is that 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 what that is telling me right there is that you need some of your big time vets like a Carson Wentz, Fletcher Cox to step up big time in the absence with the substitute teachers coming in. I mean, they, I don't want to say have to run the show, but they have to kind of control the crowd while the sub is there. Absolutely. Um, and people have said. This is just a theory, but people have said one of the reasons why Malcolm Jenkins is no longer here, going back to the movie Captain Phillips, the Eagles wanted to make it clear who the captain of the ship was. And it was Carson Wentz. Yes. Malcolm Jenkins has been the leader in that locker room. They brought Jason Peters back, but they're not even playing him in his natural position. I'm sure he'll assume a leadership role. Right away, he'll, yeah. He'll school that offensive line, especially Andre Dillard. But there is a, now a clear captain of the ship they made it as obvious as possible. They shipped Nick Foles out. They extended mm-hmm. Wentz. Just everything they've done since Foles left has been to display that Carson Wentz is the captain of the ship. He is the leader of the team. So this training camp, he's got to be the guy. And we were joking previously, like just texting back and forth. It, what happens if something like this happens during the season? Exactly. So a coach gets coronavirus. You're without your head coach. Week four. Week four. Yeah. Say in September, one of these guys gets coronavirus. Then like, does your whole coaching staff have to quarantine because they've been in meetings with the head coach? And then are you in a position where it'd be like a Jackie Moon thing where like Carson Wentz would then be the coach too? Like, would we get to that point? How's it work? I mean, I'm guessing it would have to be something like that because like, so other players that have put been put on this COVID reserve, right? It, Matthew Stafford's been put on, Gardner Minshew's been been put on, Lane Johnson. But it came out that Lane Johnson does have coronavirus, right? But mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford and Gardner Minshew, we don't know that for sure. It, it has been said that they either have it or they've been exposed to it and they need to quarantine. So what that tells me in my head is, yes, if your coach gets it and it's week four and your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator, they've all been in rooms together putting the plan together, they've been exposed, right? So, and that goes vice versa. Like, what if your defensive coordinator gets it, but 
he's been in the rooms with the head coach. Does that mean the head coach may not have it, but he needs to quarantine? Can he quarantine up in the box? Like what happens? How do you handle it? Yeah, the, those those all you do all week is sit in the film room and go over and have meetings, and you do defensive like defensive coordinator would meet with with each group like you the secondary coach, cornerbacks coach, defensive line coach. They have one big meeting. They have a team meeting. Like yep. these guys are all going to be together. Like if one contracts it, then pretty much everyone that's in that tiny film room is going to have it. And then all of a sudden, like do you just walk away without a coaching staff? Do they postpone a game if there's no coaches? Now, do, do they run a charity where I get to call the play? <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, you're not, there's not going to be anybody in the stands anyway. So if, if there's ever a season to do something like that, it's this season, right? It's 2020. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> text in your play. If you're the if you're the 47th texter in, your play is run. Exactly. So season ticket holders, you can't go to the game, but you do get to call the plays. You get to call one play. You now, get one play, so don't screw it up. What I, I would assume coaching staffs and, and organizations are smarter than me and you. Some maybe, some probably not. But uh, Cleveland, I don't Cleveland, know. Cincinnati, I really don't. Those guys, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're not doing anything right. But, yeah. I mean, preemptively to this, I mean, they have to be thinking the same thing that we're talking about right now. So do you think heading into – meetings they're they're not going to be in small film rooms together like the head coach is going to be in his office and he's going to be on zoom with the offensive coordinator in a different room watching film or are they going to be on Streamyard with the the coach can play the the you know the video on and they're both sitting there in different rooms just for safety wise I like to think that they would do that and that the NFL has enough resources where you could be like, okay, you're in classroom B today. Yes. So go set up your teleprompter and coach is going to pop on the screen and make sure you're paying attention because he can see you basically like how you do like Zumba online with your gym instructor because yes. you can't do your one-on-one -on -one fitness training without the gym open. It'd be just like that, uh, except with NFL coaches. So but I, again, I assume that's what they would have to do. That's like a substitute teacher thing all over again. Are you working yeah. as hard when when it's not right there and tangible and right in front of you and can touch you? Probably and another not. thing. No. And another thing, if I know one thing about 55-year-old white guys, it's that they can't handle technology at all. Them no. having to do virtual workouts and virtual training is nearly impossible. They can barely open a laptop. We saw uh, the GM of the Giants, when he was doing the draft, he just had a giant binder. That was all he had. He was my, set up at a desk. There's a white wall behind him and just a giant binder. And that was my setup for this podcast is better than Gettleman's draft setup was. Yeah, yours is way more intricate than his was. So I, I, headphones, I got a microphone. I got a computer and an iPad. That's I am light. I'm in 2020. He's in 1934. Yeah, he looked like he was doing SAT prep, <laughs> not drafting the future of the New York Giants to surround Daniel Jones. And on top of not being able to handle technology, I mean, what do we always say about these coaches? They're football guys, right? And football guys got to be in the room. You know, we can't do it over Zoom. That's not football. This yeah, is not football. It's, yeah. it's a team game. Everybody's got to be together. And you got to so sweat that, on each other. <laughs> like, that's just like, that's what I picture with some of these coaches and some of these players that they're just going to be like, we, I mean, we can't do football like this. Yeah, they're just going to be like, it is what it is. We're just going to do it. But I think that's why we talk, We jokingly talked about an NFL bubble last week. Yes. And to an extent, like you're going to have to practice against one another. So you can't do everything virtual. Maybe coaches meeting sessions you could, but everyone's going to be on that practice field. We jokingly talked about an NFL bubble. I think you're getting close to that. If you didn't do an NFL bubble, you would be reliant on players basically quarantining themselves during the season just – Going to practice, going to training, going to meetings, going home. And that's it. Nothing else. No extracurriculars. Um, and that's what how the MLB ran into problems is because the Cardinals went out to the casino. The yep. Marlins went out to the club. Club in Atlanta. Yep. And then that's how they ended up in a situation where everyone ended up getting it. You have games postponed. The NFL, I think you got to have like a penalty system in place for players. You basically have to tell them, look, you need to quarantine at home. If you and if you play, don't, you're losing X yep, in your salary. Yeah, you either get fined or suspended or, or something like that. And Goodell will have no problem doing that. We know that for sure. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. Him, you know how he is, like the overseer of everybody. Like he has no everybody. problem. Like no one ever wins an appeal against the NFL. No. 
No, the NFL is the shield. Exactly. So I think unless they're going with our Hawaii bubble idea, which I think was fantastic. It is fantastic. It is. It is fantastic still. And they might have to do it. Uh, the next best option and the one that's most realistic in their minds, my mind is still on Hawaii bubble, but I think you have to quarantine yourselves if you want to have a season. So apparently this is what the saints are going to be doing during training camp. I heard that today that they're creating their own bubble and the entire team coaching staff, everybody is staying at a hotel. It's like 150 people and you will be at, if you're not at practice in the facility, you're at the hotel. It's the whole team has that. I think that is the next best option, not only during training camp, but through the season. Yeah. Is it, is it possible to keep these guys away from their families that long? Probably not. It's we, if that comes through, we're going to have a lot more guys opting out. I guarantee it. But realistically for this to happen, if we can't bubble in Hawaii, which again, we should, the, the best option I think would be these guys are quarantined. Like the Dallas Cowboys, they can quarantine at the star in Frisco. Like they have a hotel there. They have, any kind of restaurant you want, their practice facilities there. You just quarantine the team and the coaches there all season. You got to stay here. And then they take their private jet to Philly. They get on the bus. They go right to the stadium. They play. They get right on their buses and back on their private plane to their quarantine. And go right back home. Yep. I feel like that's probably the only way this season happens without a Hawaiian bubble. I agree. It's it's the reason why college football is not going to happen mm-hmm. is because the NFL has a sense of control where they can do everything that you just said and they have the resources to do it. Like you, you brought up the Cowboys, get on the private jet. When you get there, there'll be a meal for you. You can shower if you need to and you yep. can get back on a cushy private jet and fly back to your bubble. And there's no reason for you to leave outside of that bubble. In college, you've got all these players who have to go to class and sit around other kids who are going to go out to bars. They're going to go out and party. They're going to intermingle. They're going to be in entanglements, as Jada Smith said. They're going to be on Tinder. And Yeah, exactly. And then they're going to come back and give it to the players. But the NFL, they have the ability to eliminate that issue. Yes. you got to control the controllables. The NFL has the ability to do it. The MLB has shown they haven't even tried. College doesn't possess the ability. So if you're going to do it without a bubble, that's how you have to do it. It's like it's it's almost like a mini bubble. Like each team has their own mini bubble. And the only time they leave the mini bubble is during games. And that's exactly. it. And then they immediately go back to their bubble. And they go right back to it. Exactly. So you can still travel, but you're just traveling from mini bubble to mini bubble. And, you know, like we said, football guys and, and team sport, these guys are around each other so much. I mean, I bet coaches would love it because coaches want coaches want as much hands on time and they know where their players are at all times always. So if they know their players are in this hotel or in this facility 24 hours a day and they can't leave and literally all they can do is play video games, eat, lift and play football. That's a coach's dream. That's a, you're right. That's a coach's dream. The old adage is always that coaches hate the off season because it's the one time where they don't have control of their players. And every off season we hear about some dumbass who is charged with armed. Like there's an armed yep. robbery charge this year. Like you're in like, like, a million. Like, what are you doing? With a gun. Like, what did you need from people that you could not possess? So that's what like the DUI situation with the NFL always blows my mind because the NFL literally has a service, which no questions asked. You call if you're drunk, they pick you up wherever you need to go and bring you home. Whenever, wherever, no questions asked. The NFL has that? Yes. So So they, they have like a VIP Uber. Literally. That's unreal. So, but it's these guys egos where they're like no i gotta drive my lambo no matter what i've had 43 shots but i'm good yeah no and then, just call the number and, and then you have weed in the car and then it just oh. snowballs every single time it happens all the time and not even off season right with coaches not having their hands on their players think about during the postseason right with the the giants going down to miami on the boat before, they went on a boat yeah literally on their bye week 
going into the playoffs. And then they got they went to Green Bay where it was four degrees after they got off the boat. They're like, what the hell happened? And Odell Beckham's the, the ball's like a, a rock hit him in the hands, can't catch a thing, and they're out of the playoffs. Like he had one catch. He had one catch. They got smoked. They've never been back to the playoffs since. It's the most we, giant thing I've ever heard. We just went from the coach's dream to the coach's nightmare in two seconds. Yeah, the, for the coaches, they they probably love this idea. Like you said, it just eliminates the all the other issues that they have to worry about. So that they would be fine with this idea, absolutely. I'm sure front offices would be as well. Players, not so much. But look, the, they're giving you an opt-out for a reason. Um, it, it sucks that people have to use it, and a lot of guys who have used it have used it for good reason. Yes. Um, but this is you, you're kind of limited in your options. We're at the point where we've kicked the can down the road as far as we can go as a country. And this is it. These are our options. We're not having fans. This is not going to be normal. And for the most part, it's going to suck, but at least we'll have football. Yeah. And we just got the update from Adam Schefter that the opt out deadline is now going to be this Thursday. You're probably listening to this. It's Tuesday. So we have two days left um, Thursday that the opt out at four o'clock Eastern. So, I mean, we've already seen some play like the Eagles lost uh Goodwin. The, the Broncos just lost their starting tackle i think everyone on the patriots there's been eight <laughs> players that have opted out Patriots um, lost their team <laughs> but they're still gonna somehow do everything cowboys lost their fullback james all which i actually love that he's not gonna be there because i want three wide. <laughs> i want everybody wide the entire we don't need a fullback and give me zeke on the field lamb <laughs> give me everybody i don't need a fullback okay so True. now he lose that's 1.75 million for this year Use that money and go get clowny. But we'll get on to that later. <laughs> so do you think Thursday we're going to see a, a flurry of opt-outs? I do. I think it'll be similar to the trade deadline where there's rumors and there's all this buildup and everything like that. And really, it's only like one to two hours where things get crazy. It's like yep. the middle of the afternoon, all these moves happen right before the deadline. It's like that for every sport, every single year. So I think having a deadline like this, I think people are going to wait up until the deadline because it gives them an idea. They can go to their training facilities. Training camps has started for everybody, even though practice yep. hasn't. So they yep. can go to their facilities, test it out, see how they feel, if they feel comfortable. If they don't, Thursday, say, all right, see ya. I can't wait until just like the train deadline, it's like 413 right and everybody like fans are like all right we're good we didn't lose anybody big and then all of a sudden breaking news saquon barkley has opted out we didn't get the news until and then giant fans just lose their mind lose their shit yeah there's gonna be one more big name i, I don't want to accuse anybody or predict because it you know that's just a bad look to be calling people out like that for leaving but i think we got one big name left where if they're gonna opt out i can see it happening for sure i I heard a conversation. I don't remember what radio station it was on today, but they were kind of doing like an opt out or cop out cop out. Like, are some of these guys just copping out because, you know, they think they're not going to make the team and now they just get to sit a year and train. And next year at this time, they're still going to be on the team, right? Their contract will just move a year. But it, that's such a touch, touchy subject. Like I, it, like you said, most guys, probably all the guys who have opted out are opting out for a legitimate reason, right? They have newborns. They've been trying to get have kids, and they've been having issues. Like, I will not knock one player for opting out this season. You can't. No, yeah. So you'll hear every single time this has happened, you hear of a player opting out. And then like a, a few hours later, they explain why. And every time at first you're like, oh, I can't believe that guy did it. And then they that? put their Instagram post of like a paragraph explaining why. And you're like, all right, that makes a ton of sense. I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, I don't think anybody can can go after players. Yeah, but I, I think it's um, it's a lot of veterans who have been there before. Yep. So, for instance, the Patriots, they're paid. They have three Super Bowl rings. They, they really have no motivation to, to play this season. Uh, I know some of those guys, they, they had um, outside circumstances as well. But I think uh, being a veteran and having everything made already and having success already makes it so you can kind of opt out. Now, there's a lot of guys this offseason. Let's get into it. There's been a lot of shifting this offseason. So a lot of guys are going to stay in because they're with new teams. Yes. Old faces in new places, right? Exactly. So, I mean, I've I've kind of been seeing some of the pictures that have been going out on Instagram. I think like NFL Instagram has been posting 
stuff and of new pictures of players. So let me get one from you that you've, have you, have you been checking out any of the players in the new jerseys? I have seen, I've, I know of everybody who switched teams. I, I've seen some Jersey releases, not a ton, but I have a good idea. So I have been looking and I want to get from you one player that you think looks good in their new uniform. Okay. One player that you think just looks weird. It's just way too wild for you. And the player you feel like an old face in a new place that if we have football this year, which we will, is going to make the biggest impact for their team. Gotcha. Well, so let's, let's get it out of the way early. The weirdest okay. one is Tom Brady. Has to be, right? They, they posted it um, for his birthday in his new uniform. It was incredibly strange. And this is the take that we've seen before, but let's just get it out of the way. It looks like Michael Jordan in a Wizards jersey. That's exactly what it looks like. And we're, we're living through that. That's got to be the weirdest one. We're going to be 20 years from now. And it'll be like Pat Mahomes Jr. balling out in the league. And we'll still be like, that was remember that weird year or Tom weird Brady. two years where Tom Brady was a Buccaneer? I would I would have to agree. And I'll just I'll just add on to that with Rob Gronkowski. He looks just as weird in the jersey and putting the two of them together and they're like talking back and forth on Instagram about I'm ready to play. And then Brady's like, That's right, Robbie, we are gonna play this year. And We're it's like do it. it's just so awkward. It's it, they're two awkward guys as it is, and then you add the new uniforms in. I don't think you can go anywhere else. We can try to be creative and try to come up with hot takes, but there's no need. That's the weirdest one, and it's going to be for decades. I would say like a close kind of number two would be Phillip Rivers. I saw him in, in the Colts jersey, and it just, I mean, it, it's a little weird. He kind of looks can like I? Andrew Luck, but older and no beard, and it's just confusing. Yes, wait, but this is funny because you asked me to to get one weird, one impactful, and one cool. Yeah. For some strange reason, I put down Philip Rivers as the cool one. Okay. <laughs> I think LA and San Diego just don't fit Philip Rivers. Like no, he's got 19 he, kids from the Yeah, same exactly. Wife. I think Indianapolis, for some reason, that blue uniform and just Indianapolis as a whole, it's just like a lunch pail. Medium, yeah, lunch pail, medium media market where there's not too much going on. I think it's just perfect for Philip Rivers. Like, I just seeing him in that uniform, I was like, this feels like it was meant to be for the past two decades. Since 2004, when he came in the league, he probably should have been with the Colts. Can yeah, I mean, can you go from like weirder kind of looking dudes though, from like Peyton Manning? To Andrew Luck now to Philip Rivers, they're like they kind of like morph into sort of looking the same. They're yeah, I, and that, yeah, I, you're completely right because I remember with Peyton being there, he was always like lunch pail guy, kind of like I, he was always like funny. But then he went to Denver, and then he's on like Saturday Night Live, and he's doing commercials, and it like he like completely came out of his box, out of his Indianapolis shell. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't always that big media guy who you see doing the nationwide jingles at first. Like he was just Peyton Manning, Indianapolis quarterback who throws a shit ton of touchdowns to Marvin Harrison. And that was it. And that's just what Indianapolis is. It's hard to market a star in Indianapolis. That's what makes a race car. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Philip Rivers is always literally for 16 years has been a solid B plus. He has never led the team to a Super Bowl, but has nope. always led them to led them to playoff runs. He's just he's always been the guy who's been pretty good, but never great. That kind of sums up Indianapolis as a whole, if you ask me. Hundred percent. So right, that was I, my that was my cool the, one, quote unquote. Cool, not so weird looking. I'm gonna go Teddy Bridgewater. I saw the picture of him in Carolina, and he he looked solid in the black and the blue and the white, and I. I kind of, I kind of digged it. You know, he looks. I feel like he looks better in the Carolina colors than he did for the Saints. I agree, and also it is really hard to pull off purple. So him being in a Vikings uniform that does nobody justice. Kirk Cousins is perfect for Minnesota purple because that is just the match made in heaven. But the Panthers have such incredible uniforms. The the Panther itself is a great logo. That black and that light blue together, that teal, I love it. I, I think I agree that one. I don't know how much of an impact he'll have as a player, mm-hmm. but it looks pretty cool as a jersey on him. I do like their stadium, too. It's got the city in the background, right? You're playing yeah. the game, and you actually see Charlotte in the background. So 
you know, I again, I don't, I don't, also don't know how he's going to be impactful. I mean, but I didn't think he was going to be that impactful last year for the Saints either. And then Cowboys were three and zero, and then he just wiped the slate with them. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. On a non jersey related note i feel like everyone who's followed matt rule during his career knows the journey that the panthers are about to go on they're probably gonna be shit this year it's gonna Mm -hmm. be a disaster but one year where he does a complete roster turnover brings in his own brand year two shaky but you can see progress by year three we're gonna be talking about him as coach of the year without a doubt I don't know I if Teddy Bridgewater agree. is the guy, but that that is the trajectory that we are always on with that guy. I mean, and they could be complete shit this year, have Teddy Bridgewater be the guy for two, maybe three years, and they're having Trevor Lawrence on their team. Exactly. Or they can Fields. go out and get another quarterback. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. All right. He so give me your biggest. Old... What's that? I was going to say, give me your biggest impact. DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't know if it's going to be close. I think that. The key to the Eagles Super Bowl run in 2017 was getting Alshon Jeffrey. And for the Cowboys, I think they were dead in the water until they traded a first-round pick for Amari Cooper, and it just elevated Dak's game. And those were two young quarterbacks who were still trying to figure everything out. They got them a star receiver, and all of a sudden, everything was just so much simpler for them because they had a one-on-one matchup they could rely upon. DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray... I think they have the potential to be even better than Deshaun was with DeAndre Hopkins. I think the Cardinals are going to be scary. They're in a tough division, so I don't know if they're going to make too much noise. I don't know if they're going to be better than the Seahawks or the Niners. Rams aren't a slouch either. I love that combo. I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best, most impactful player that made made a transition. The price take that got them at was just ridiculously stupid. It's good for them for making the move. I mean, and he gets to play alongside the – best wide receiver that's been in the game for it feels like 300 years in Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> yep right like he is, he, gets- he is the redwood tree of the NFL it just keeps growing it's amazing it's elegant and it just never ends and it's been old forever but it's still here and it's, it's still, still great kicking. and it looks still and- it looks still great and it's like the ninth round of the of your fantasy draft and he's sitting there and you're like I think maybe yeah I'll Okay, and then he just ends up on your fantasy team. You're not starting him, but you know there's always that week where he catches like seven for one thirty four and two touchdowns, and you're like, why, why didn't I start him? Exactly. It's crazy because he's been out of his prime for years, and every fantasy player has had that internal dilemma where you're like, okay, I know this isn't the Larry Fitzgerald that we're used to, but it's Larry Fitzgerald Fitzgerald. like you're in the 10th round everyone every guy has been in the 10th round like all right should I do it all right Larry Fitzgerald put the sticker on the board please (laughs) you you have you have like a definite starting running back your RB2 sitting there but you're like but but it's Larry Fitzgerald it's Larry Fitzgerald he never drops a ball if they throw it his way he'll catch it they just have to throw it to him he'll get five targets and then you're in like week seven you're like why the hell didn't I take Eckler yeah, 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 exactly. Then there's some like no like Cortland Sutton pops up on the Broncos, nope. and you're like, ah, probably should have got a younger guy who's 25 and still in his prime. Damn it. <laughs> well, I, can th- I, I give mean- you can I give you one that actually two that will impact the Eagles and the Cowboys the most? Absolutely. So they're on the same team. Can you guess? So two acquisitions made by the same team. Can are you they- guess who they are? Are they on either of our teams or they're just going to impact our teams? They are going to impact our teams. They're going to impact the NFC, but they're not on our teams. So one team picked up both of these guys, one on offense, one on defense. In the NFC. You can guess the team or the players or both. Uh, Is it Tampa? That's a, that's actually a great one. That was the one that I think everyone's going to expect because we talked about Tom and, and Gronk reuniting there. Yeah. Same division, and we talked about them earlier. Carolina? How about the Saints getting okay. Emmanuel Sanders and Malcolm Jenkins? I, does. I, 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 oh, I keep forgetting that they got Emmanuel Sanders. I know. But- I was thinking about that because we were planning on, on doing new faces and – or yeah, new faces yep. – Yep. Um, so I was like, 
all right, who looks good in a jersey? Who went? Who has cool jerseys? I was like, okay, Saints have great jerseys. Yep. Then I was like, Cowboys have great jerseys. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. How did we let New Orleans, who's been in the playoffs for four straight years, have Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders? Yeah. yeah. So they pair Michael Thomas with Emmanuel Sanders. They get their leader back on, on defense. They are one team that we should be scared of that's not in our division. That is absolutely i can't believe that's one of those things it's like how did that get past my brain like why didn't i think about that and he is gonna look damn cool in those saints jerseys yeah there's something about the gold where if you look bad in it then you probably just aren't cool (laughs) you know i mean who do you give me right now who you think look the coolest of all time in a saint jersey the coolest of all time in a saints jersey I'm getting Joe Horn in my head because yeah, that's exactly where I'm going. Joe yes, Horn. All right. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Can't be anybody else but Joe Horn. This the flip phone, like he just was cool. Uh, yeah. It was such a great celebration. I'll just oh when I think of Saints jersey, that's one of the things that I think of is just that that celebration with Joe Horn. Joe Horn cell phone or T.O. Sharpie? T.O. Sharpie, because okay. I think the lore of T.O elevates it you know he's going to be in the hall of fame if they keep keeping him out it it really reflects poorly on the nfl hall of fame writers um i think that he just did so much shit where you're like only to could get away with this i agree i mean playing a game too with a with a sharpie in your sock is just i mean it's that's one of the most to things ever but you got to think about joe horn he i mean he planned on scoring a touchdown right but he True. didn't know what end zone he was scoring. So was there a cell phone in just both end zones? There had to be, right? There had to be, but it's such a good question. I feel like it would make you know it just like move it every like, quarter. Did he, did he have a little minion? Like when they switch, he had the guy just go get the cell phone and move it. He had to, but you know, that wouldn't, you would never get away with that in today's day and age. Cause no. we'd be like, why is this 22 year old kid picking up the, the uh, pylon or whatever and, and never taking a phone and putting it underneath and everything like that. You can never get away with it. So I guess that adds to the lore of that one too. So maybe that one was cooler than T.O. I guess overall T.O. had the best celebrations or to Chad Ochocinco as well. Yes. But yeah. The Joe Horn one <laughs> iconic. All right, I'm going to give you my my impact player. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is probably the the right pick. It's maybe the only pick, but I'm going to go Stefan Diggs in Buffalo. I mean, that's another one of those things I keep forgetting that he's there. Uh, he's going to play with Cole Beasley in the slot, who's just going to eat up catches, and it's going to open up the field for him. And Josh Allen has a cannon, and mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs loves to go deep. So I feel like... He, I mean, he's going to be impactful, especially in the fall. Once the winter comes up there, I don't know so much. Um, But I I feel like he's one of those dudes that just, he, he's on a mission right now to, to prove something, right? He feels like he was disrespected in Minnesota. He didn't like playing with Thielen. I don't don't care what anybody says. He wants to be the guy. And besides Cole Beasley, I mean, he can be the guy in Buffalo. And imagine being the guy that brings Buffalo back another pretty badass jerseys and i think he will look pretty sweet in the buffalo jersey too i think so too yeah anyone who is is freed from the minnesota purple goes on to great things like Uh you automatically get more cool points once you leave minnesota that's a great pick though and on paper it's a match made in heaven because like you said josh allen has a cannon the one knock on him has been okay he can throw it 80 yards can he put it into on a receiver in stride when he throws it 80 yards but he really hasn't had a deep threat to tell i know they signed john brown last offseason but they really haven't had a receiver where you're like okay he is a stud number one and he's just go get it yeah Yeah. now they have a guy like you said who will just go get it they have a bona fide number one i think it's the key to every young quarterback getting them somebody who can win a one-on-one matchup every single play. It's third and eight, and they know where they can go with the ball. And even though the defense knows where they're going with the ball, they can still complete the pass. It's just so key for the development of a young quarterback. And Josh Allen got his guy. I mean, that's exactly the reason why the Cowboys gave Amari Cooper $100 million. Yes. They still look at Dak as a developing young quarterback, and he needs that. And they didn't have a crystal ball and didn't realize that C.D. Lamb 
would be sitting there at 17 because there are 16 morons who run NFL franchises. I can't wait to see him on the field. I think what's funny about the first two episodes is how not nonchalant, but just the lack of aggression we've had for each other. Mm-hmm. Wait for the first CD oh. lamb touchdown for the Cowboys. Oh, it is. I will be screaming into this microphone. <laughs> I can't, you know what I need to do? I need to go back and find the video of me and you when he was drafted and put that up on our Twitter, because that was just a video for the ages. That's foreshadowing of of the pods to come once the season actually kicks off and we're playing real football. I mean, when when the first time in Philly when CD has you know eight for one sixty two and two touchdowns in a twenty four to seventeen victory for the Cowboys, it's going to be heated. I remember the game where I think Malcolm Jenkins and Des Bryant got in a fight on the field pregame. Mm-hmm. I think it was the same game. And then Dez had three touchdowns that I was at that game. Were you? Yeah. See, if we would have recorded a podcast shortly after that, I wouldn't have made it 10 minutes. I believe that game, the Cowboys went up like 21, nothing quick. The the, uh, Cowboys also had a kickoff and nobody on the Eagles fielded it. And they just got it at like the seven yard line. And (laughs) Dallas went up like easy, but then Philly came back, but then Dallas won the game. That was a Sunday night game in Philly. It, well, yeah, it was a Sunday night game. I think it was during a Chip Kelly era, so mm-hmm. kind of expect things like that for no one to just pick up the kickoff. I was also at the happened. Cowboys-Eagles game, Nick Foles' first game, when uh, Vic had the concussion, I believe, and Foles came in. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. See, I can't wait for the podcast we're doing when we're recording after games like that. Exactly. That will be insane. It's going <laughs> to be wild. delicious. Delicious. So, so we actually have a, a sponsorship going on, huh? Yes, pretty excited about it. We didn't get to introduce in the first one, but definitely want to get it out there for the second one. So if you want to win and make money, the partnership that we're doing, we're working with Bavada. So we're going to put our link in the in the podcast description. It's going to yep. be in the tweet that we're promoting the podcast with. So it's pretty simple. It's for new users. If you haven't used Bavada before, I'll attest to it in a minute. It's great. Use that link, sign up, and start making money. It's that simple with Bavada. There's no catches, nothing like that. You can sign up, no entry fees, nothing. Just get started. Use that link that we're going to promote. And honestly, I don't even need a Bavada script. I have personally used Bavada. The first bet, the first bet that I ever placed and won was with Bavada. They will always have a special place in my heart. Back when Kentucky was undefeated in the Devin Booker, Trey Lyles, mm. Willie Cauley Stein di- days. Yep. I, at the beginning of March Madness, bet on Duke to win it all. Okay. They won it all with Julia Okafor. Cashed my bet with Bavada. They Thank paid you. it out. It was amazing. I can personally attest Bavada, first place ever I bet with. They will always have a place in my heart, so I would strongly recommend it. And you can use that link. We'll be promoting it everywhere that we promote the podcast. I mean, you love making money for work, but there's nothing like making money on bets. Thank you, right? It, it's just it's like even if it's like it's like a thousand dollars in your paycheck right but then you also but you won a thousand dollars it's like you won two thousand dollars it's it doesn't it's not compatible making money and winning money the competitiveness everyone's getting back into betting now because we have sports back there's the competitiveness in the game and then there's the competitiveness of just watching like individual things within the game so that your your bets cash. Yep. There's nothing like that feeling. I I'm going to use the link as soon as we're done here and just so I can scroll through like I like to do. I love Maybe looking on my at all phone the bets. right now clicking the link. There you go. Once football season starts it's going to be amazing. There's nothing like betting on that first weekend of, of NFL football with that full slate. You're like, "All right, here's the one o'clock games, here's the four o'clock games. What crazy parlay am I going to make?" I got three TVs going, red zone on one, the other game on another. Oh, God. It's yeah. just going to be. Right? See, again, baby Jesus, we need football. We need we football so that we can bet on Bavada and make crazy football parlays. Now, before we get into birds versus boys real quick, I want to do one more. Um, that It could impact them either, you know, signing or against. So Antonio Brown finally finds out he got a eight game suspension for conduct detrimental to the league um, with all his crazy videos and everything that he was doing, losing his mind. But the suspension will not start until he is on a team. So the question I have for you is, will he be signed sooner, later or not at all? I say. 
later. Okay. I will even go as far as to give you a team. I was going to give a team as well, so I can't wait for this. Perfect. Okay. Let's see if we match up. I'll give you mine first. Let's see if we agree. I think he would go to Seattle. That's exactly what I was going to say. See? <laughs> this debate show is off to a yeah, this is just this is... <laughs> Birds so equal boys. on everything. It's crazy because we legitimately did not talk about that before we started no. recording. I mean, Off Seattle's lot, perfect for him. It is. It really is. You I put think... you put AB with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. So yeah, the, their trio would consist of DK Metcalf, who who's poised for a huge sophomore season. You've huge. got uh, Tyler Lockett, who's been reliable, and then Antonio Brown. Uh, that that's just a match made in heaven. I think it's in a place where he could go. He needs structure wherever he, he goes. But and he there, didn't and get in Oakland. Pete Carroll knows how to deal with bad boys per se. I mean, he does not back down from personalities. No, they, they've always been able. They've always taken chances. Uh, Josh Gordon was the most recent example, a receiver yep. who's been suspended before. They brought him back after suspension and brought him right into their system. And I know he got caught up in his own issues, but they were even talking about bringing him back now. Yeah. So I can definitely say see AB going there. I think Geno Smith put out a tweet and it was like, see you soon or something like that. I believe he's the backup quarterback for Russell Wilson right mm -hmm. now. I thought that might be a little bit of foreshadowing. I think it takes one receiver going down for teams to start to consider it. But with that eight game suspension, it's kind of tough to replace because uh, you're, you're trying if somebody goes down whether it's coronavirus or an injury you're going to try to replace them on the fly not eight yep. weeks from that point yep and that's why if i'm seattle i'm doing it right now right it, now we know there's a clear expectation of a suspension right it was kind of in limbo people thought he was going to get suspended but they didn't know they didn't know how long so we know it's eight games right so yeah i'm signing him now I'm getting him in the facility, but then he shuts it down for eight weeks because you don't want to sign him like week nine because then what? It means nothing to you until the yeah, end, unless exactly. you make a playoff run. Exactly. So, so it makes sense to sign him now, and you know ahead of time you will not have him for the first eight games. You just, and you're prepared for that. You're prepared for that. They're a system where they can survive without him for eight weeks, and he just plays the back half of the stretch. He gets to learn the offense. He gets to learn the culture, which is more important for him than yes. the playbook. He walked in and played with the Patriots three days in and, and scored a touchdown. The talent was always there. He needs to figure out structure at some point. And I feel like, again, it would <laughs> this would be Pete Carroll's dream if they had their own bubble, right? And AB is in the bubble, quarantined with leave. the team structure. Yeah. Now, that's the question. Hold on. Let's say they sign him, right? And they do do these little bubbles. Does he get to live in the bubble when he's suspended? I feel like he can't because when you're yeah. suspended, you can't be at the, out, team right? facility. Can't be the facility. But what if they put him in his own little room, like off? If, if there, if coronavirus wasn't a thing, they should stick him in a little room <laughs> in a hotel for eight weeks. So just so he can't <laughs> fuck it up in the next two months, he gets no cell phone. He can play Madden. He can play no, he yeah, an Xbox, just, a TV and meals. And you can go down to the gym. Just yeah, and that's it. Don't fuck it up. That's it. <laughs> so, all right. Let's can we can we get some sort of debate going here? Let's let's get into a little bit of the of the birds versus boys here. Let's get it. Um, before we get into like some debate stuff, I'm just gonna go Cowboys real quick. You, you mentioned earlier Mike McCarthy and Dak. So Mike McCarthy's been the Cowboys head coach for months now. He became the head coach right before the pandemic, and no one knew this was gonna happen. But even before the pandemic, he went weeks, if not months, without ever talking to his QB1, right? And the QB1 that's been going through a contract negotiation, a QB1 that was franchised. Um, so he never had a conversation with Dak. He never really got to meet any of the players. But this week, finally, at the star, Mike McCarthy met his players, uh, introduced himself, I'm excited for the McCarthy era. I really am. I feel, again, the word structure that you use for AB, this Dallas Cowboys team, that's exactly what they need is, is structure, right? Jason Garrett was a puppet. We've always known he's been a puppet. Mike McCarthy is going to give this team no shit, right? There's not going to be D linemen left and right that are getting DUIs and getting suspended. Like, this team is going to come to play. The talent's there. Again, just like AB, there's no question about that. This team has a ton of talent, especially on offense. They just need a leader of men 
to take them over the hump. And that's what Mike McCarthy is. He finally gets to meet the team. And now finally, hopefully, he has a discussion with his QB1 too. Them getting on the same page would be great. <laughs> but For like you said, like you said, Jason Garrett was just a plain bagel, just just so boring and did nothing. He was so useless. There we go. We're on two tight end set. Run it up the gut. Yeah, it was so boring. Now I'm split 50-50 on Mike McCarthy working out with okay. the Cowboys. I that de- they definitely need to make a coaching change from Jason Garrett. Yes. My issue with Mike McCarthy, if there is one, in Green Bay, he was a great coach, and then things got stale. It was like he didn't evolutionize with the game. And they said that he took a whole year, and he just like sat in a cave, like in The Dark Knight Rises, when Batman just goes and lives in that cage and rehabs his back. He did that, but he He, watched NFL film. Well, he created his own coaching staff, and like they literally coached through. They had their staff, and they coached through the whole season. Yeah, exactly. So that that's my thing is, okay, you went into this cave and like mock coached for a year so that you could be a better offensive mind and come mm-hmm. out of it more creative. Is that just blowing smoke or did you actually learn from it? Because there's been so many times where we're like, hey, he's a changed man. This yep. is going to be different this time. And then you're like, why, why are you running the same plays that weren't working three years ago? So yep. is it going to be new? Did you evolutionize with the game? Or are you going to fall into the Jason Garrett where it's like you have become so predictable, it is painful to watch? I'm kind of split 50-50 on how it goes. So I'm a little nervous too because so going back to Green Bay, they said when he was calling the plays and completely in charge of the offense, that's when he thrived, right? right. It yeah. was when he took over, gave play calling away and kind of took over duties of – just overseeing the team. That's kind of when he got a little more stale. Things started kind of hitting the wall. So coming to Dallas after being in the Vat cave for a year, I fully expected him to take over play calling because he said he will never give up play calling again. But I won't he's keeping <laughs> no, but he's keeping Kellen Moore around as the offensive coordinator. Apparently, Kellen Moore is going to be calling plays. Um, he loved what Kellen Moore was doing as a first time offensive offensive coordinator last year. Yes. The Cowboys racked up a ton of yards, but against bad teams. So that is my biggest question mark is how that duo is going to work out. Because I, if I'm the, if I'm Jerry Jones and I'm paying Mike McCarthy to be the head coach and he's an offensive guru, I want Mike McCarthy calling the plays. It's dangerous to have a tug of war like that, where you bring in this new coach and he wants to be the guy. And he has said, I have cha- I am a changed man so that I can be the guy once more. And you have a guy from a previous staff who's there, who everybody respects and everybody knows, and who has called plays before and once and played, played for this duties. team. Yes, and played for this team. He helps develop the quarterbacks and works with the quarterbacks. You can see how that would be a clash, how there could yes. be a clash coming. I can definitely see that going wrong. That You can't have two captains of a ship. There's never been remember in the office when they did co-managers. How did that work out? Never worked out well. It never works out. I'm the assistant regional manager. Yes. There's not assistant to the assistant regional manager. Assistant to the assistant regional manager. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's there's never two CEOs of a company for a reason. That is the issue that they may run into down the down the road. So I mean, I, I I'm excited. It, could it be some blind excitement just because it's not Jason Garrett? Of course, I'm even more excited that Jason Garrett is in New York now because I can't wait to see them deal with Jason Garrett now. Um, yeah. But it is going to be interesting to see the dynamic of Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore and how the play calling goes. I agree. I hope it's a disaster and they both fail and get fired. But that's just me. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. All right. We had a question come in on Twitter, Stevie Stats, and this is kind of a you know off the field question debate between the Cowboys and Eagles, and it kind of spurred my mind. I liked it because Dallas Goddard got knocked out in a uh, in a bar in South Dakota or North Dakota or one of the Dakotas. So the question is, who would win in a bar fight, the Dallas O line or the Eagles D line? I'll let you go first. Obvious. Uh, Eagles D-line. I could even short my answer. Fletcher Cox would win a fight against the Dallas offensive line probably by himself. The guy's an animal. 
I, I feel like it's just like showing up to a fight of common men, but Iron Man's on your team. That's pretty much how it would go. Um, Brandon Graham is so nice. I just can't see him being in a fight because he just want to joke around the whole time. Yeah. Fletcher Look, Cox, guys, 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 come on. <laughs> yeah, he'd be laughing the whole time. Fletcher Cox would be fighting off three guys. He'd be fighting Zach Martin and two other guys at the same time. And then Brandon Graham would be like talking to, to a backup center or somebody like that. Like that's just how that fight would go. I'm trying to think who else would be great in the fight. Um, Derek Barnett, I feel like could fight. He has been in trouble for cheap shots before. I mean, if he I killed a man in Green I Bay last Derek year. Barnett. Yeah, he almost he killed, killed that a Packer man. guy one time. Yeah, so Darren Williams or whatever his name was. Yeah, yeah, uh, Jamal Williams. He, Jamal yeah. Williams. He almost, yeah, that was the first play of the game, and it was just like the most obvious cheap shot. I was like, Derek, what are you doing? But in Calm a down. fight, I am absolutely taking the Eagles. Thanks in large part to Fletcher Cox, and two, we can finally utilize Derek Barnett's one and only strength, which apparently is dirty play. All right, I see you. But I'm going to call you. I think Fletcher Cox is an animal, and I think Derek Barnett is a cheap son of a bitch. But, I mean, we have some beef on this Dallas O-line and some mean beef, okay? Zach Martin, can I, I feel like he's done it before. He can just hold Fletcher Cox up against a wall while everybody else, and then the rest of the line can just do damage against everybody else. Lyle Collins is an animal, okay? He... Have you seen him run blocking where he is 38 yards downfield just <laughs> shoving people, okay? Lyle Collins it was born to fight, okay? He will just maul people. Now, Connor Williams, I, I, I hope he just goes in the corner and cries because he's about my size, and I don't feel like the man knows how to fight. He's, he's from <laughs> Texas, so maybe he does. Maybe he'll bring a gun to the fight, but we don't, we don't need any of that kind of stuff. That. And then you throw Tyron Smith, who, again, he's kind of like uh, Larry Fitzgerald. He's like the Redwood tree, too, where he's just been here forever. He's not in his prime anymore, but he's still strong as a mother. He's mean as anything, and he'll be doing the same thing Lyle Collins will be doing. So, I, I, you know, Joe Looney, again, he's kind of – that's who it would be. It would be Joe Looney, who's technically our new center, and Brandon Graham. They would just be laughing together in the corner, and they wouldn't even be fighting. They would be ordering a beer and talking about – God knows what. And I think Lyle Collins is the real underdog here who is just going to mop the floor with everyone. I could definitely see see that. If there was one guy who was an X-Factor like Fletcher Cox, it would be Lyle Collins. I I could see Lyle Collins killing a guy. But well, I did not – hold on. I did not think that sentence through before I said <laughs> With a try. Given previous history, I did not think that one through. But – I do think that he'd be an animal. I just think that the Eagles have so much depth. Like Javon Hargrave, I could, he would smash a guy. Malik Jackson, the one strength of our team is defensive line, so we can just big, keep throwing big dudes at you. It'd be unreal. It'd be like that scene in iRobot where the, the robots are just marching down the street. They just keep coming. Yeah, they just keep on coming, and there's nothing you can really do about it. They're pre pretty much indestructible. I feel like that's how our defensive line would go. It's the, the one main strength of the team. I don't want to say I agree with you because I'm sick of agreeing with you. So I'm just not going to agree with you. And I'm going to say Lyle Collins is just going to kill people in a bar. Lyle Collins. Not How about this? If, if it comes down to it for the division, Lyle Collins versus Fletcher Cox cage fight. That's just how oh, we're going to decide. I'm it. all in on that. Yes. I'm all pretty in. sure Fletcher Cox, like he, he's a big hunter. I think he like wrestles hogs and shit. Like he's <laughs> like country strong. There's nothing crazier yeah. than country strong. Well, that's Lyle Collins. He's he's South Country strong, Louisiana strong too. Those, yeah, he, he, you know, Coach O strong, Coach O strong. Yeah, and Cox is from Mississippi, so that that would be the matchup of of the ages, the heavyweight matchup of all time. I'm gonna throw this. I'm gonna throw it up on our Twitter this week, and we'll we'll see where people go. I I would love that debate. That is one of the debates where, um, without football going on, we need something to debate, and I think that one could get pretty feisty. In, in terms of just like anytime you're talking about fighting, it gets testosterone going. So people are going to get all fired up about it. All right. Well, we are, uh, we're one week closer, hopefully to football. Um, hopefully the more we get into these episodes, we can talk less and less about coronavirus. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think we're, we're one week closer to football and two weeks further away. But if there's anything we can ask NFL is one, find a way right you build it we will come um 
Hawaii is a great option or mini bubble each team. We have solved the problems here. Implement it. It, it, We should be on the Corona task force for the NFL. I think we'd get shit done right now. Around half the time, like Brandon Graham in a fight, but the other half would be pretty productive. Shit would be done. But yeah, so I think, I think I have one goal for this week between now and next show. I'm going to create a prayer, an NFL prayer. Okay. For, that we can say at the end of every show so that we have Love a season. It. And I Love think it. that'll be my goal for next week. But aside from that, um, it's just let's have a safe week. We'll see what happens Thursday with the opt-outs. But hopefully that's just we've reached the end of guys testing positive for coronavirus. And we'll, we'll keep on keeping on. And if we do have, this is your pro- our promise to you, if we have a crazy opt-out day right on Thursday, Aiden and I will record a quick podcast Thursday night just yeah. an opt-out special for you around the coronavirus pandemic special. Yes. <laughs> yes. Breaking news. Dun, dun, dun. That's a good idea. I'm with that. All right. Follow, that's exactly why you need to follow us on Twitter. Cause we'll, we'll announce things like that. Birds verse boys pod on Twitter. I am KMS KMS 22 on Twitter. I'm Aiden underscore 34 underscore powers and make sure to follow the Twitter page for the podcast as well. Like KMS said, and don't forget to leave five stars and subscribe on Spotify and on iTunes podcasts. And as always, we are brought to you by branded sports, the branded sports.com branded underscore sports on Twitter. And thanks to our guys, Vince and Eddie producing in the background. We'll see you guys either next week or possibly Thursday. See you.